Thank you for listening to another episode of the Voice of Business podcast. We have a very special episode lined up this week, though we are recording from our home base on account of the weather, so hopefully the audio quality is okay. I'm joined by my co-host, Eddie McBride. Eddie, are you staying safe and warm out there? Yes, sir. We're supposed to. Uh, 68 degrees on the thermostat and making sure we don't leave the gas on the stove too long, so we're minding our P's and Q's, just like you too, John, right? Well, there you go. Although we don't have a stove here at Midtown, but uh, um, and, and I'm sure we can get it up to 68, but uh, we're doing the best we can. <laughs> Dress for the cold weather. Well, nice to have a chance to meet with you today, John. Thank you so much. And and uh, yes. by way of introduction, we all know that you're you represent the great state of Texas from District 84 and having a fun time in our 87th legislative session, which is your sixth, I do believe. Correct, sir. Yes, sir. And, and uh, we, we appreciate you joining the podcast today and be fun to jump right in and get your, get your interpretation of what's going on down in Austin during the session, please, sir. There seems to be a few topics, obviously, the legislature is going to address, even from mainly a bipartisan uh, support, and that's great to see. And one of those is funding for education K-12. In the chamber, we wrote a letter to Commissioner Morath talking about, obviously, continued funding and also to to use the statewide testing for reporting purposes and, and trying to give the, uh, the recognition to education setbacks that have been seen during the pandemic. Do you think y'all will be able to maintain those funding commitments and given some of the tough budget issues and uh, what else can we expect from your interpretation for the education and workforce training arenas? Well, first off, Eddie and Kyle, let me say, great to see you and uh, wish it was under better circumstances, but uh, as always, good to see you and appreciate all the work that uh, you and the chamber do. And I know in, in these days and times, it's, it's got to be a lot more difficult than, uh, uh, you know, normal times, whatever normal times are anymore. Uh, I'm not sure we have normal, but uh, as far as the funding for education, uh, you know, we put a lot of work into that on the heels of HB5 just a few years back to try and really build what we're doing there. And right now, even though this is going to be a tough budget, uh, you know, we're down from about four and a half billion when uh, the comptroller came out this summer and he said, now it looks like we're going to be right in about 900 million, uh, you know, uh, lower estimated. Uh, you know, we don't deficit spend like the federal government, but uh, uh, that, that's kind of the hole that we have to fill based on uh, where we thought the revenue would be in at. So that, that's good news, but uh, there is a united front down there in Austin as far as to make sure that the funding is there. We made some great strides last time with education, uh, giving the districts uh, more money, reducing the uh, you know, burden on property tax owners uh, through sales tax. And right now, that, that is our intent. And I think it uh, looks pretty good as far as being honored. Uh, we are working towards that. You know, you can't guarantee anything until we're done and uh, we get the numbers and start working on it. But right now, that's the intent. So uh, I think that uh, it looks good. And I think that we, we will continue to do that. You know, so education looks good. It's important. Uh, you know, we've had a lot of other issues with education, but uh, uh, as far as just getting the information out with COVID related, but not necessarily on the funding side uh, directly. Well, thank you. Uh, I want to build off that discussion a little bit uh, because another issue that uh, at least appears to have some widespread support and that was magnified during the pandemic is broadband access. 
Um, obviously, there are some pretty large gaps in access rates between urban and rural areas across the state. And with education, business, and even medicine moving to virtual formats last year, um, the need for reliable broadband was greater than ever. So can you talk a little bit about how Texas is, is going to address the uh, broadband access issue this session? Well, and uh, Kyle, to even take a step back, it's not just something new that we've been working on that. We've been working on that ever since I've been uh, in the legislature, as Eddie mentioned, the six sessions. We've been working on trying to get broadband access uh, out, you know, especially that last mile, um, those rural areas uh, where it's extremely important, but also uh, for telemedicine that you mentioned. Of course, Texas Tech is a, a leader in the, the, the world on telemedicine and what all is being done there. So we want to make sure that not only do we have uh, broadband access out in the rural areas, but also in, uh, you know, cities such as Lubbock, where it is accessible, it's affordable, and people can get that. Uh, as you mentioned, the heightened awareness with the school and going to virtual classrooms and trying to get that information out to the students is very difficult. And uh, so I think there's uh, even more of a push this time, although, you know, there's some pretty good legislation last time, but we'll continue to do that to get that broadband access and the importance of it into the homes, into the businesses. And that's that's really good news. And thank you for all your support with that too, Representative Frulo. And another business issue that we have been working ever since the pandemic began is uh, business liability protection. And we worked awfully hard with a lot of our peers across the country for obviously the federal protection and efforts. And obviously that didn't work out as well. So we know some state legislators find some bills right already. And, and I know we're looking to try to get Texas businesses some relief, especially if that comes about. And, and what we're talking about is a targeted temporary safe harbor for Good faith actors, not too much in like you as a small businessman and any other small business people that, uh, that are doing their best to, to open safely and follow all the necessary protocols and, and not just blanket legal protections for anyone and everyone. So it is targeted. How do you think the, the legislature going in, is going to handle this issue during the session and what do you expect? I think, and that's a good question, Eddie, and I th I'm glad that the chamber is looking at that. And it's, it's something that's important to all of us. And we, I want to make sure that it's exactly what you said. We want to make sure that the good actors are protected. If you're trying to be that good Samaritan, run your business in a normal way, not putting people at harm, uh, you know, in harm's way, and just trying to do a good job that you aren't subject to, uh, lawsuits seem to pop up all the time. And what we don't want to do is create a revenue streams for people that are out there just trying to sue based on certain things happening. Now, the, on the other side of that, we also want to make sure that, uh, you know, one of the terms that always comes up and lawyers use is a gross negligence. We don't want the bad actors out there, people acting terrible, to be covered by, you know, the laws that we do. So there will be a balancing act. Of course, this is in Austin and we have, uh, you know, at least in the House, 150 people that uh, all have their own thoughts and opinions on how it works. But I think we're going to come up with something that will allow business to continue, because after all, Texas is 
is a business friendly state. And, uh, you know, we want to make sure that uh, if there are bad actors out there, there are ways to protect the same people we're trying to protect from, uh, you know, operating. So, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. I think that as as the session moves along and, you know, with the committees being assigned and, and now the governor's emergency items out and we're actually going to be start we were going to start working and uh, of course then the, the storm came through and uh, shut us down but you know it's going to be interesting to see how all that works together but i think at the end of the day and i'm hopeful that texas will continue to do what texas does best and that's make a business friendly environment that, that works for everybody i think you'll find your all the folks that we work with will very much appreciate what you have to say john so thank you so another major topic that, that we would like to discuss, especially with your placement on the Higher Education Committee in the House, um, is Texas Tech University and its priorities during the session. Um, obviously, they're a huge economic driver in our region uh, and leaders in education. And so we want to be supportive of them as they seek the last bit of funding for the School of Veterinary Medicine, um, as well as hopefully adding, um, adding Midwestern State University in Wichita Falls as the fifth member institution of the Texas Tech system. Uh, it looks like the legislation has already been filed by uh, James Frank in the House and Drew Springer in the Senate, but can you tell us a little bit more about these efforts and how that process will go? Well, I think that uh, what is very interesting is uh, following up on uh, Chancellor Mitchell's comments about the last session we had, which was uh, was something along the lines that it was one of the best sessions. It was the best session we've had in 50 years. And of course, that was with the dental school in El Paso, the veterinarian school in Amarillo and what all is happening there. Uh, of course, we see the fruits and the labor as far as the enrollment at Tech growing, the notoriety that we have from uh, uh, you know, our scholastic activities, as well as, uh, you know, what we're seeing in the sports teams, uh, although that's a little bit harder to find right now with uh, the way that uh, COVID has shut things down. But I think that, you know, if you look at uh, Midwestern and bringing them in, they were about 6,000 6, students right now. And, and of course, I support that. And I think it, it would be a great addition, not only for the uh, tech system, but also for uh you know, Midwestern to be added to that system. But they were about the same size that um, San Angelo was back when they were added into the system. And of course, now they're about 11,000, of course, have a great school of nursing down there, a beautiful campus. I've toured uh, several times. I, I think it's very good for not only both the institutions or the institution, the system, as well as the state. Yeah. And I have a quick follow-up for you on that because Eddie and I were having this debate, but uh, is Wichita Falls part of West Texas? And if if not, do you think adding them to the Texas Tech system kind of adopts them into the West Texas region? <laughs> you know, that, that's probably like, uh, that might, that probably is easier to answer, uh, you know, versus the question of is, is it a breakfast burrito or a breakfast taco? Uh, so it's easier than that, but I don't know that that's really what I want to get into. You know, then you get into the Panhandle versus the South Plains and uh, you know, we're, and we build this such a great relationship with Amarillo that we don't want to get into stuff like that now. You know, well, especially with the veterinarian school, the the work the chambers have done. Yes, sir. Uh, we'll stay away from that. And and we will also stay away from that from our partner Wichita Falls Chamber because we uh, we want to make sure they know we want to do this together, representing Texas Tech University in our communities. I don't care if they call themselves East Texas; it doesn't matter to me. 
So, but uh, thanks again for that response too, John. And I know locally following a lot of the social media, what's going on right now because of the storm. And I know it's already going to impact the legislative session that, that you're in the middle of. Uh, the ERCOT question and the rolling blackouts and the, and the seemingly unpreparedness that's gone on. A lot of folks have been impacted, not only here, but across the state. What, what do you think is going to come out of all the ERCOT issues, sir? Well, I think first off, uh, and I, I go back to my first committee meeting I sat in uh, 2011, and it was a similar uh, mm -hmm. items that we we're discussing today. We just had that big phrase, the, the uh, power generators were shutting down, they were freezing, then it started with brownouts. And, uh, you know, I was on State Affairs, so I learned a lot about the electrical grid, how it works, how the power spikes, what happens, you know, our mixture of uh, fossil fuels, nuclear, uh, as well as uh, the renewable at that time is different than it is right now. And, and so I think it's a good idea to go ahead and look at that again, revisit it and see where everything is at rather than jump to a conclusion. At the end of the day, there are certain things that, uh, you know, that happen in there. Money is decided uh, or the, the, the organizations decide whether or not they're going to spend money on certain things. Uh, you know, again, when we were first visiting, we were talking about some of the colder regions of the United States. Well, they, they run power plants in those type environments all the time. We don't have those same environments most of the time, but when we have it, uh, unfortunately, sometimes it doesn't end well. And I think that when we are talking about 3 million people not being uh, able to have electricity, that's a problem. And then it's heightened when we look at, you know, the city of Lubbock, uh, LPNL going on to the ERCOT system and uh, what all is happening there. So I think we want to pay attention. We want to make sure, one, that we have power. It was uh, very interesting talking to a number of my friends that have had been without power for many days now, several days. And uh, our power hasn't shut off once. We haven't missed a, a step here. So I think we want to look at that. But we also want affordable power. And that's something that's important. So we want reliable power. We want it affordable. As you look at the spot market on ERCOT, it will go up to $9,000. And uh, that gets to be pretty expensive. And so depending on the contracts that we have, that we're entered into, how we're hedged, it uh, gets pretty complicated and get real expensive. And so I think it's, it's important for us to look at that as a city, as a chamber, as, uh, you know, users coming up. But very important. Yes, sir. And, and we certainly will continue to watch that too. And Representative Frulo, thank you so much for joining us today on the Voice of Business podcast. And we know you're going to have a busy session and we always know that you're going to be accessible. And we really appreciate obviously everything that you do for not only the great South Plains uh, of Lubbock, Texas, but also the whole state of Texas. So uh, there you go. Uh, we appreciate your service, and uh, we, we look forward to continue working with you, John. So thank you very much for what you did for us. You bet. Thank you. And anytime, just give me a holler. All right. Thank you again for joining us, Mr. Frulo. And thanks to all of you for tuning in to another episode of the Voice of Business podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or directly on LubbockChamber.com. Stay warm and safe out there, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you.